Hey, my name's Adam, and I am the West Shore Campus Pastor here at Coastline Church on beautiful Vancouver Island. Welcome to our podcast. All the content that you will find here is meant to point you to Jesus and encourage you in your journey wherever it is that you find yourself. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. Good to see you. Uh, it's been a fun, fun summer. I realized today, as we were going through our our, our sermon calendar, that uh, we've been in the Book of Acts for 27 weeks, um, which is a long time, and uh, we're on week 27. Actually, that's not totally true. We did skip some chapters. We won't tell you which ones because everything's good. But um, but we are on chapter 27 today. If you've been following along with us, and so if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to pull your Bible out. We are walking through the Book of Acts. We have two more weeks left. This week and next week, and so if you're excited about Acts, these two weeks are your times to come. Oh my word, here we go. But uh, you know, we live in a tension as Christians, and uh, we live in this tension spot, because on the one hand, we know that God can, can calm storms. Right? We know, we know Mark chapter, what is it, chapter, chapter four, where, where Jesus says, silence, be still, and suddenly the wind and the waves, they come, and there's a great calm. We, we, we know that God can do that. And oftentimes as Christians and as pastors, we're, we're to blame for this, we like to emphasize that part. God calms storms. We get that. And so when you pray, you pray to a God who can calm storms. But let's be honest for a moment God doesn't stop every storm. And so what do you do with that? You see, we live in this tension where we, where we serve a God who can calm storms, but he doesn't always calm them. And so, so how do you actually walk through the storm as a Christian? Because to be a Christian doesn't mean there's no storms in life, obviously. But so how, how, do you, how do you process that? How do we walk through that? And when we, when we look at the book of Acts, and when we get to Acts chapter 27, we have, we have Paul's story as he's on his way to Rome. And my, oh my, this guy gets hammered by storms. In fact, if, you, if you've read this particular story before, you know that it ends not just in, in delight, but it ends in shipwreck. So Jesus doesn't come and calm the storm. In fact, his whole entire ship sinks. Everybody has to swim to shore. If you would look at that and you were taking numbers, you would say, storm one, Paul zero, right? And, And sometimes when we look at our lives, God doesn't stop our storms either. And that's not because he doesn't love us. And it's not because of punishment. And it's not because God's singling you out because you're very unlucky. And he's like, loser, enjoy this rainstorm. Just on this side of heaven, storms are part of our reality. And so how do we process them? What do you do when when you live in Kelowna? And you now have to evacuate your home because of the wildfires. How do you how do you how do you how do you still be Christian in those moments? How do you stay encouraged? How do you get to this posture where you can still say, You are good. You're never gonna let me down. And now I have to evacuate my house. And somehow I need to make sense of this. 
you're good. God's never going to let me down, but I have a cancer diagnosis, and I don't know how to make sense of this. You are good. God's never going to let me down, but it, it feels like I just can't, can't keep a job. It feels like I can't make my bills, and, and I know you're not going to let me down, but you're going to make me homeless if you don't show up in some way, God. Right? So how do, how do, what does that look like? And so I want to walk with you through Acts chapter 27 and, and learn some of these lessons in the storm from Paul. So let's look at this together. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. The words will be on the screen. It starts off like this. When the time came, we set sail for Italy. Paul and several other prisoners were placed in the custody of a Roman officer named Julius, a captain of the Imperial Regiment. So if you're, if you're new to this particular story, Paul's in jail. And he's not in jail because he's a bad dude. He's in jail because he's a Christian. And so he got imprisoned because of his faith. And now he's on his way to, um, on his way to Rome in this, on this particular ship. Aristarchus a Macedonian from Thessalonica was also with us. We left on a ship whose home port was Adramidium. I don't really know how to say that. I just say it fast and pretend I know what I'm saying. It, do, it does kind of sound like my superhero name. I am Adramidium, but um, it's not. It's a, it's a place somewhere on the northwest coast of the province of Asia. Boom. Thank you, Bible. It was scheduled to make several stops at ports along the coast of the province. Life lesson for you right here. Just because you have a plan, and in these first couple verses, we have a great plan. These are those who are on the ship, and this is where the ship is going. Just because you have a plan, it doesn't mean that things are going to go the way you thought they would. All the planners in the room are like, no! But that's just how it is. Verse 3. The next day when we were docked at Sidon, Julius was very kind to Paul. And he let him go ashore to visit with friends so they could provide for his needs. Well, that's fascinating. Life lesson number two. Just because good things happen doesn't mean that bad things won't happen. And I know that sounds super obvious. We get that. But for some reason I've noticed in my own Christian walk that sometimes I'm like, why is this happening to me? Right? As Christians, as humans, sometimes we get into this mindset where we're like, I'm living a pretty good life. I'm doing good things. Why is it that everything, like the wheels are falling off the cart? How, how does that happen? And, and then some of us, that what that does is it really rattles our faith because our theology doesn't have space for suffering. Our theology just tells us that everything is gonna be all good, everything's gonna be fine, but in reality, we all know in our heart of hearts it's not actually true. Like, like, bad things do happen. And so here, right off the beginning of the story, this ship, this, this, whole, this whole adventure of Paul seems really exciting. It's like, wow, everybody's being so nice to me. They're letting me off the ship, even though I'm a prisoner. My friends can take care of me. I'm going to go back on the ship. This holiday is awesome. Verse 4. Putting out to sea from there, we encountered strong headwinds that made it difficult to keep the ship on course. So we sailed north of Cyprus between the island and the mainland. In other words, even though we have a plan, we know who's coming, we know where we're going. Even though good things are happening, storm still comes. And it's just so important for me to communicate to you 
that the storms that you're facing, they're not your fault. And it's, and it's human nature to internalize them. Now, some of the stupid things that you're facing are your fault. <laughs> Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not giving you a total, total carte blanche. You're, you can get out of jail free card. Like some of you are doing some pretty dumb things and there's consequences for that. We're humans, right? But not every storm is your fault. And not every storm is because God's trying to teach you a lesson of humility. Where God's just like, you are going to get it now. Sometimes storms happen. And the beautiful thing about a storm is it gives us this opportunity to refine who we are, refine how we process God. It gives us this opportunity to, to, to process life from a different vantage point. It's, they're, they're, they're there. Verse five. Keeping to the open sea, we passed along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, and Pamphylia, landing at Myra in the province of Lycia. There the commanding officer found an Egyptian ship from Alexandria that was bound for Italy, and he put us on board that ship. And I've noticed something fascinating about storms. Sometimes in order to survive the storm, you need to change the people that you're walking through the storm with. Sometimes the people that you're going with in that moment, when the storm comes, they're not going to be the same people that are with you when the, or when the storm ends. And sometimes storms give us this opportunity to evaluate those who are around us. Which of the people around us are giving us life? Which of the people around us are going to help us get from point A to point B? And sometimes we get to a space when we're walking through a storm where we need to make, a, make some hard decisions and realize, you know what, I think I actually need to get on an entirely different ship. And it moves on. Verse 7. We had several days of slow sailing. And after great difficulty, we finally neared, this is a good one, Nidus. If you say conitus, it sounds like a disease. We'll call it Nidus. But the wind was against us. So we sailed across to Crete and along the sheltered coast on the, on the, uh, of the island, past the Cape of Salmon. Sometimes. Sometimes in order to survive the storm, you need to course correct a bit. Now, it's intuitive to say, I'm going to grind this out. I'm just going to hold fast. I'm just going to keep facing the wind. But there is wisdom in allowing yourself the space to let the storm help you to pivot a bit. Sometimes when we're facing a storm, like if we're going to actually travel through it, if we're going to get through it, we need to have enough. We can't be so rigid. And sometimes because we desperately want to control things, sometimes we grab, we grab the wheel and we're like, no, I'm going to go through it. Come hell or high water. We're going through this. We got this. As if that's some sort of nobility. But in reality, we're just scared. 
and we just want to control something because everything seems so out of control. And so we, we end up steering places we probably shouldn't steer as opposed to backing up, looking around, and, and, and changing direction so that way we can get through. We struggled. Verse 18. We struggled. We struggled along the coast with great difficulty and finally arrived at Fair Havens near the town of Lycia. We struggled. Sometimes, even though you try to avoid the storm, the storm still finds you. And there's something to be said in that. Here's Paul and, and all his companions. There's like almost 300 of these guys on this ship. And, 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 and they're, they're trying to figure out where they're going to go. They're trying to figure out how to process this and get through the storm. The best part about this is Paul's just along for the ride. He's the prisoner. He's not on the ship. He's not the one steering. He's not the one in charge. He's just on the boat. And I think it's important for us to recognize that. We don't have as much power as we think we do sometimes. We can't actually control storms. We have a hard enough time controlling ourselves. We can't control storms. And here Paul is doing everything. It's like, like there's, there's a lesson to be learned and seen in this. This, this, this ship, they're, they're, they are struggling along. They're having great difficulty. And finally, they get to a destination. Not the final destination, but finally get, they get a break. Finally, they can stop. It just seems like the storm's just always there. It's so discouraging. Verse 19. We lost a lot of time. Like a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall. And Paul spoke to his ship's officers about it. And, and sometimes when you're, when you're in the middle of a storm, sometimes there's, there's, you get to a moment, you get to a place where, where you need to speak up. Oftentimes, I don't know why this is our posture, but our posture is just like, okay, Lord, I'm a loser, I'll take it, and we just lay down and die. But there's this element where as Paul's looking around, and he realized he's in no position to tell the captain where to go and how to do it. But he's like, I gotta say something. And so he speaks out. And sometimes in order to survive the storm, you need to speak up about your concerns. You need to vocalize what's going on inside. Because maybe, just maybe, God's trying to speak to you in that moment. And the thing that he's trying to speak to you is actually not just for you, it's actually for everybody. Verse 10. Men, he said, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. We can't keep going. What are we doing? Okay, prisoner. Thank you for that hot tip. 
the officer in charge of the prisoners listened. But not to Paul. He listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. And since Fair Havens was an exposed harbor, a poor place to spend the winter, most of the crew wanted to go on to Phoenix. Farther, well, who, who doesn't want to go to Phoenix, first of all? Hello. <laughs> Different Phoenix. Farther up the coast of Crete. And spend winter there. Phoenix was a good harbor with only a southwest and northwest exposure. So all these people who, who were supposed to know what they were doing were like, Paul, no, you're just a prisoner. How would you even know? You're not, you're not driving the ship. You're not trained as a seaman. Let us make the decisions, Paul. Your idea doesn't even make any sense. Like if we were to winter here, we would get pummeled. We need to go up there. It's way better to go up there. And sometimes when we get the courage to speak out, those that we share with, they don't listen to us. And that is so frustrating. And that can be very discouraging. As a Christian, Paul, he's, he's, he's in prison. He's, he's got a relationship with the Lord. This guy knows Jesus. He saw Jesus face to face. He's filled with the Spirit. He's Like if there was a Christian, he's so good at being a Christian, he's in jail for being a Christian. <laughs> like if it was, like let's just ask ourselves that question just for a quick moment. Is there enough evidence based off how you live your life to convict yourself of being a Christian? <laughs> Like if people were watching from the outside and just trying to figure out who you are and who it is that you believe in. Like if by the way that you live your life, would they be able to look at the way you live your life and like, yep, guilty, definitely a Christian. Or would they be like, hmm, they're kind of lame. They're always busy on Sundays. And I think they might be a Christian, <laughs> right? Or is there, is there some life in there? So here's this Paul, and I can, I can, I can empathize with this, where, where, where he, he feels and he hears from the Lord. He's like, no, 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 I got this gut feeling. I got this instinct. There's something inside of me that says we can't go forward. Bad things are going to happen. And everybody is standing back being like, nope, 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 nope. And if that has ever been you, you're in good company. <laughs> Paul has experienced that too. Verse 13, um, not 13, 23. When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. <laughs> Told you, Paul, we got this. This is going to be fine. So they pulled up the anchor. They sailed close to the shore of Crete. They were doing everything they should do. Everything that made sense. It was a good move in theory based on what they, the way they'd been trained. But the weather changed abruptly. And the wind of a typhoon strength called a northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. And I'm going to be very honest with you. Acting Christian <laughs> when those you've been trying to help ignore your advice 
and walk directly into danger is probably going to be one of the hardest things you ever have to walk through. As a parent, you try and tell your children, you know the, the decisions they're making. They're just, you're going to walk right into a storm. And they do it anyways. And then you got to sit there and process that tension. You know, we, we, I feel like we often, we glamorize the idea of, of, of thinking like God or thinking like Jesus or being like God, right? Like if I could just like think like Jesus, that'd be so great. Oh man, this is like Jesus' MO. Knowing that you're going to do something and you do it anyways, and now you got to figure out how do you still love in that moment? How do you still have faith in that moment? How do you still have hope in that moment when the people that you've just warned ignored you and walked straight into danger anyways? It's a, it's a test of Christianity. And some of you are in here, and, and this, this, this is speaking right to you. And God sees you. And I want you to know that. God sees you. Verse 15. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up. And then they just let it run before the gale. We sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named Cotta, we'll call it, where with great difficulty we hoisted aboard the lifeboat being towed behind us. Then the sailors, they, they, it says they, they bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. And when you are in survival mode, you need to pull in the things that you value most to strengthen them. It's this powerful picture. Here you have the ship and there you have a lifeboat. The lifeboat is designed to save the people on the ship. But they had to make this decision. We're going to lose that lifeboat altogether. So we need to now pull this lifeboat onto the ship. Because we cannot afford to lose that lifeboat. The winds are coming. The waves are crashing. We can't afford to lose this ship. So we need to tie ropes around the hull of the ship to stop this thing from breaking apart. And I'm so thankful that, that Luke includes the words, with great difficulty, we hoisted the lifeboat aboard. Because to do the right things, it's going to be very hard. And when you're in a storm, you don't want to do hard things because life is hard. I get that. I get that. But you need to get to this space where, where with great difficulty, you got to pull in this lifeboat and you need to call all your friends together to get that boat into the ship. Because if you lose that boat, you're sunk. With great difficulty, you need to figure out how on earth, I can't even wrap my mind around how they tie ropes around the hull of the ship to stop it from just bursting open. And they've got to figure out how to do that in the middle of the storm, when the waves are crashing, 
Like we get this idea, like, oh, yeah, it's like a calm day and they're pulling up the boat. No, waves are crashing, wind is blowing, rain is falling, and they're trying to figure out how on earth do we survive? And when you're in a storm, you got to do difficult things, even though life is difficult in that moment, if you're going to get through it. Amen, baby. Amen. They were afraid. Well, naturally, the most obvious three words in the Bible. They were afraid of being driven across to the sandbars of Sardis off the African coast. So they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were driven before the winds. When traveling through a storm, you need to slow down. And so they, so they, they throw these anchors off the back to stop them from, from going so quickly. To stop them from being moved around by the winds and the waves and the currents. And when you're traveling through a storm, you need to slow down so you don't make dangerous decisions that you'll end up regretting. <laughs> because what happens is we get into this fight or flight kind of mode. And when we're in a storm, storms, they, I have no, uh, there's probably way better stuff ways to say this, but storms suck. <laughs> and when you're in the middle of a storm, nothing is fun. And it's intuitive to try and get out of that storm as fast as you can. But if you just try and get out as fast as you can, you might actually get yourself deeper into the storm. Or you might actually get yourself into waters that you can't actually navigate. Or you might actually get out of the storm and find yourself, I don't even know where I am anymore. And so in the middle of the storm, as intuitive as it is to get out as fast as you can, there's something to be said about dropping anchor, slowing down, processing the moment, taking a breath instead of just reacting. The next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing cargo overboard. And the following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and they threw that overboard as well. And when you're traveling through a storm, you need to evaluate quickly. <laughs> you need to evaluate the things that you need to get out of your life. Because some of those things may not actually help you get from point A to point B. It's fascinating. It doesn't say, they started throwing all the rocks and all the excess junk into the, into the sea. <laughs> So they started throwing over their cargo. They started throwing over their gear. They started evaluating all the good things that they had and started trying to figure out, okay, what, I, we got a lot of good things, but all these good things aren't actually going to get me from point A to point B. Which things do we need to get rid of so that we can stay afloat? Sometimes when we're in the storm, we just panic and we just throw everything overboard. But if we do that, we'll starve. 
And so you're in the middle of the storm, and you have to, you have to evaluate somehow, which, where am I going to spend my time? I'll tell you right now, eight hours on social media a day is not going to help you get through the storm. <laughs> Drinking yourself to sleep might help you ignore your problems, but they're creating new ones. That was the hardest thing about working in the inner city when I lived in Edmonton the first time. Ugh, so many times. When we first lived in Edmonton, we worked in the inner city, and I would meet these guys. I remember him saying to me, he's like, Adam, I, I don't drink because I want to. I drink so that I can numb the pain. So do you, have, do you know what it's like to be homeless? Do you know what it's like to have no, no resources, nowhere to go, nobody to call? I drink so that I can numb the pain. And he's like, and it works. And I had no good argument to that. And some of you, you, you may have things right now in your life that are getting you from point A to point B. And they, they are, they are, they're helping you survive. But maybe you need to throw it off the ship. Because maybe it's kept you alive until now. But what's going to keep you alive in the future is not that thing. And so making those hard decisions and evaluating, okay, okay, what do I need to get rid of? And these guys, they didn't, the Bible doesn't go into detail about how they picked the items, how they rationalized it and sat on it for a week and thought about it and prayed about it. Just as they chucked those things over the side. <laughs> and sometimes we need to do drastic things to keep our heads above the water. Verse 21. Nope, verse 20. Nope, verse 18. Nope, verse 20. <laughs> The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. The longer the storm goes on, the darker it gets harder it is to navigate, the harder it is to have hope, the harder it, is, harder it is to remember what life looked like before the storm, the harder it is to imagine what life could look like after the storm. And it got tough. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, men, you should you should have listened to me in the first place and, and, and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. In other words, I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. But take courage, he says. None of you will lose your lives, even though this ship will go down. For the last night, last night an angel of God came to me Sorry, for the last for last night, an angel of, of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul. 
you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said. But we will be shipwrecked on an island. And it's important that we not underestimate God's ability to, ability to show up right when we need him most. When, when, when all hope was lost, all of a sudden, there's this powerful moment where God breaks through. Doesn't stop the storm, but encourages them in the middle of the storm. That's powerful. Some of you are upset with God saying, where are you? Can you just stop the storm? And show me that you're here? When in reality, what's taking place is God's like, whoa, 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 I am here. It's not just about me stopping storms. It's about me helping you process them. About me helping you get through them. And at about midnight on the 14th night, 14 days and nights of walking through a storm. The 14th night of the storm, as we were being driven across the Sea of Adria, the sailors sensed that land was near. They dropped a weighted line and they found the water was 120 feet deep. But a little later, they measured it again and they found that now it was only 90 feet deep. And at this rate, they were afraid because we would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore. So they, they threw out four more anchors from the back of the ship and they prayed for daylight. And in the middle of the storm, we see this powerful moment where, where on the one hand, they're doing the work. And on the other hand, they're praying for God to show up. And that's good. That's a good practice. Sometimes we pray for God to show up and we don't do any of the work. But here they do the work and they pray. And there, there's some medicine in that. Verse 30, then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to be going to put out the anchors from the front of the ship. But Paul, he screams out. He said to the commanding officer, the soldiers, you will all die unless the sailors stay aboard. So the soldiers, they, they make the hard decision. They cut the ropes. And the lifeboat goes and drifts away. And it is so tempting to abandon ship prematurely. Especially when day doesn't come as though you thought it would. Especially when you have an encouraging word from the Lord. Yeah, I'm with you. You're going to get through this. You're going to survive. The storm still happens. Did I even hear that? Did, did God actually speak to that Paul guy? I don't know. I don't believe it. I'm going to take life into my own choices, or into my own hands. I need to control something. It's tempting to try and solve things in our own. And just as day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You've been so worried about, you've been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks, he says. Please, eat something now for your own good. For not a hair on your heads will perish. And that is such a powerful thought. We Christians, we love to be spiritual people. 
and we love spiritual stuff and we love the prophetic words and we love the church services and we love the worship services and when storms come we 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 forget to take care of us the first thing we start to do is we stop sleeping and we don't care about the sleep i'm just going to work my way through this problem i don't need to eat god can heal me i'll just get through it and, and in the sorrow and in the chaos and in the stress and in the trauma and in the, just the crazy reality, everyone's like, I can't stop and eat. And Paul's like, whoa, everybody, take care of yourselves first. It's so important that we get this piece. Because when we're walking through a storm, it's not intuitive to take care of ourselves. What's intuitive is getting out of the storm. <laughs> the same as the stubbing the toe analogy. All I want to do is anything to make the pain stop. But we don't actually slow down long enough to actually fix it or heal it. We just, just, just start panicking. And it continues. Then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all, and broke off a piece and he ate it. Then everyone who was encouraged and began, uh, was encouraged and they began to eat. All 276 of them who were aboard they ate, they gave thanks, and they were encouraged. Powerful lesson there. Enjoy your lunch today. Verse 38. After eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing the cargo of wheat overboard. They were so fed up, and they, were, they had some fuel in their bones, and now they started doing some more work. They started thinking clearly, let's get rid of this stuff. We can do this. But in verse 39, plot twist. When morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline. Uh-oh. But they saw a bay with a beach and wondered if they could get to the shore by running the ship aground. So they cut off the anchors and left them in the sea. And then they lowered the rudders and they raised the foresail and they headed west, headed towards shore. But unfortunately, verse 31 says, they hit a shoal and ran the ship aground too soon. The bow of the ship, that stuck fast in the ground. The water was hit, crashing behind the back of the ship. Repeatedly began to smash it and force the, 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 the ship apart. Verse 42. The soldiers. Actually, I'll say this before I talk about the soldiers. Sometimes surviving the storm means surviving the shipwreck. And all of a sudden, Jesus doesn't stop the storm. And instead, the boat runs aground. And now the boat starts falling apart. And now desperation really starts to set in. And now I'm not just surviving a storm. I'm now surviving a shipwreck. And I don't think this day could get any worse. And then in verse 42, the soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure that they didn't swim ashore and escape. And all of a sudden, things go from bad to worse for Paul. Not only is he in a storm, not only is he shipwrecked, but now these people want to kill him. But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul so he didn't let them carry out their plan. Thank you, Lord, for the people and leadership over us. Last one, and I'll close with this. And this is what the commander does. He says, then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make, make for land. And then the others held on to planks or debris from the broken ship. All the, all the people who didn't know how to swim, 
They grabbed pieces of the broken ship and used the pieces of the broken ship to, to float to shore. So everyone escaped safely to shore. If that ship, because they'd already cut off the life raft, if that ship didn't start breaking apart, all those vulnerable people on that ship who didn't know how to swim would have no way to get into shore. It was actually through the ship breaking, <laughs> through the shipwreck, that God was able to use the broken pieces to help others survive the storm. That's a fascinating piece of scripture. Where in the middle of our brokenness, God can use those pieces to help those who are around us. And as I was praying for you this morning, I wanted to encourage you. Encourage you with the obvious. God doesn't always stop storms. But that doesn't mean he's not God. And that doesn't mean that he's not good. What it means is that your story is gonna be a little more exciting than maybe you want it to be. But it's actually through our broken stories and our chaos moments that we as the church, we as we as Christians get to show other people where to find life and how to get through these, these seasons. And so if you bow your heads with me, I would love to pray for you. I'm going to pray for two, I'm going to pray two prayers. For those of you who are here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, much like Paul did. Because Paul, as he walked through the storm, there was something different about the way that he handled it. And it wasn't because he was braver, gooder, or better than anybody else. It was because he had a relationship with Jesus that God spoke to him and carried him through the storm. And if you need a relationship with Jesus, you can start that today. In fact, if you would like to start that relationship with Jesus, I invite you to, to raise your hand. I'd love to pray for you real quick. Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? I invite everyone as their eyes are closed just to pray with me. Lord, I pray. I pray for those who have raised their hands this morning. I pray that you would encourage them, that you would help them to see themselves the way that you see them. God, that you would help them to become the men and women that you've, you're, you've been calling them to be. Jesus, I pray that you would help them to find hope in you, life in you, freedom in you. Jesus, that you would encourage them because, Father, they picked the right place to be today. You've got a plan for their life. And we thank you for 
you raise your hand, I'm going to be hanging out right by that sign after the service. Take your next step. I'd love to give you a Bible and help you. We have a New Believers book. I want to show it to you. It's really great, really helpful. It's called New Believers Guide. Because we're going to be honest, the, the, the Bible's confusing when you jump into it for the first time. And this will, this will show you how to, how, to, how to read your Bible and kind of how to start this whole Christian thing. One more prayer real quick. For those of you walking through a storm, would you close your eyes with me? Let me pray. Jesus, first and foremost, I always pray, Lord, stop the storm. We know you can. But Lord, if it is not your will and your desire to stop the storm, God, would you give us peace to get through it? Father, as I walk through this scripture verse, I know I hit a lot of different things. Jesus, I pray for each and every person in this room that we'd be able to know that you are God, that you've got a plan, that we're going to get through this, that you are real, this is a safe place. They picked the right place to come this morning. So Jesus, we thank you for what you've been doing. Even in those moments where we couldn't see it, Father, we thank you for what you've been doing. And God, we thank you for what you're doing now in this moment. Lord, I believe that you're turning lights on inside of our hearts again. But Father, in faith, we thank you for what you're going to do. We thank you for the, that the storms are eventually going to come to an end. We thank you, Lord, that you're going to carry us through this. And we thank you, Lord, that we can leave here different than the way that we came in. Because God, you go everywhere we go. So Father, thank you, Jesus.